0: taking it to uh, a
2: do-it-yourself level. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZETechshow. My name is Natalie Bucknell, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Michael Steindl and Kay Wenigal. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kay.
1: Hi Nat, hi listeners.
0: Hey Natalie and hey everyone.
2: Now Philip Sutton is the Manager and Strategist for RSTi, which is Research and Strategy for Transition Initiation. It's a non-profit organisation that engages in strategy development and engagement to catalyse the urgent initiation of a full-scale transition to a sustainable economy. Philip is currently leading RSTi's Climate Emergency Programme. So some background for you on Philip, he's co-founder of Safe Climate Australia and a past president of the Sustainable Living Foundation and the Australian New Zealand (laughs) Society for Ecological Economics. Philip co-authored the book Climate Code Red, which puts forward a case for emergency action on climate change. Philip Sutton is a long-time climate activist, environmental policy advisor and strategist. He's been a guest on BZE Radio, forcefully arguing for a climate emergency declaration. His recent efforts have seen him assisting to draft a model act called No More Bad Investments and he joins us today in the studio to discuss the act. Hi Philip, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for making the time to come and talk to us and our listeners today. No worries. So can you start by giving us a bit of background to this idea of the No More Bad Investments model?
3: Okay, it's basically drawing a line in the sand legally. So um, 350.org has had a campaign for some time to get people to divest from uh, activities that would damage the climate. And so this is just taking that idea and saying, OK, people have had a go at doing it voluntarily for some years. Uh, now why don't we just simply make this something which done, is done across the whole economy systematically with a government mandate and legislation to back it up.
2: So what sorts of things would it be excluding or prohibiting?
3: Okay well what's your favorite list of things you don't like um, uh, no more new coal mines that's the obvious one um, no more gas fracking that's another obvious one and then all the stuff that people mainly forget which is um, we shouldn't be investing in uh, the use of uh, uh, oil for tra- uh, you know vehicle transport we uh, we need to change the way agriculture operates we need to change the way we make steel plastics cement. Um, buildings, refurbishment, so that they don't need to use fossil fuels. And so the, the idea is to um, go through the economy systematically and make sure that all the places where new capacity to, that would have a damaging effect on the climate is no longer done. And then, of course, that gives complete certainty to the market to then invest in, in the positive directions.
2: Okay, so you're not saying to get rid of existing at this this. This Model Act doesn't address that. It's talking about, from this point, drawing a line in the sand and saying, OK, no more new investment in those activities going that's, forward. That's
3: right. Now, it's very clear that if, if you want to um, restore a safe climate, which, of course, I'm completely committed to, then this, this proposal, this, this Model Act, is not sufficient to do that. So it's, it's only the first step. But it's kind of like taking the first step and making making sure it's systematically done across the entire economy. So we don't spend the next fifty years kind of incrementally trying to fight every new coal mine, every new gas uh, development, every new oil development, every you know new investment in some inappropriate form of transport, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's trying to systematize the kind of let's stop the bad things happening impulse that we've we've all been driven by over the years, and to can uh, to compress that into a very short time frame. So the idea is to cover the whole economy and get it on a restructured new direction within 10 years.
1: So it's actually taking BZDs reports all lumped in together plus a lot more. Yeah. That's right exactly. Tackling that.
3: Yep. It's 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 literally if you like the inspiration for this thing is actually the work that BZE has done over the last, you know, 10 years and saying let's systematically make that a government program. And um, BZE itself is still working through some of the sectors of the economy um, and the government would need to do the same and complete the task um, and and make sure it's done in the real world.
2: So this is representing quite a paradigm shift from... <laughs>
3: Well, it's... The, the piecemeal
2: th- approach that we've been taking. Yes, yes,
3: exactly. I mean, that's right. I mean, what was very interesting with the BZE work is it, it took the problem of, of climate and the economy and said, OK, now let's systematically look at how we should restructure the economy. This is the kind of... Uh, how would you call it? This is the follow-through done in the same way. So it's in the same way that BZE said, let's look at the whole economy systematically. This is saying let's implement the whole economy change systematically, and beginning with the process of no more bad stuff. And then, of course, after that, you've got really huge issues like how do you shut down all the things that you know, are currently causing problems? Um, how do you get the drawdown of carbon dioxide out of the air so we can restore a naturally safe climate, etc.?
1: And you're saying it can only be done at a federal level?
3: No, no, this, this legislation, interestingly enough, is actually focused at the state level. Um, mm-hmm. And there's two reasons for that. One is that, lit- uh, that the powers reside largely with the, with the state governments, state and territory governments. And so this is actually the, the appropriate level to go in um, technocratically, if you like. But it's also politically advantageous because um, we know how hard it is to get the national government to do the right thing, and... Um, Whereas there's there's eight states and territories and we know that some of them are more proactive on on climate than others and so it's possible to actually adopt this legislation in the state or territories that are the most progressive and then showing that that can be done, you can then start to roll it out across
0: the country. Philip, um, I can imagine listeners listening to this and thinking, brilliant idea, not I hope in Hades. Um, (laughs) The thought has crossed people's (laughs) minds including mine. (laughs) You back in 1988 um, were the architect of the Victorian Flora and Fauna Guarantee Act and um, a a real driver behind that. Was that a similar leap at that time? Uh, What makes you think you'll get this up? Besides um, the fact that we have to... Literally,
3: in, in Victoria at the time of the Floor and Fauna Guarantee Act there was only one person who said that it would get through and I don't want to be too uh, sort of egotistical but that was me. <laughs> and the only reason why I thought that was because I just simply took that on as like what's the point of doing the job if you don't think it's going to go through. So it is possible to go into these things not being sure whether you can succeed but I went into it with an attitude which is that everything I will do will be directed at making it succeed and in the end it did. Now I'm not saying I can well, we collectively can pull this off a second time, but um, I actually do think we can, to be honest. Um, but uh, but we have to go into it with the attitude of this is for real. This is not just a kind of a educational exercise for the sake of it. This is the real deal, mm-hmm. and and we're beginning the real campaign to get this thing adopted. And it will have to go not only in Victoria, but in, and and you know south australia and act and queensland and western australia and tasmania yeah. <laughs> and northern territory it's got to go global
2: so so what's the process that you've employed so far to give this the best chance of being adopted what what has what have been the steps so far
3: okay the very first step was um, to start getting people to think about the climate emergency and so um margaret hender in south australia initiated the climate emergency declaration petition process and that that showed within a period of about six months or so um, that we could get 20,000 signatures without any support from any of the big environmental groups. And so the, the idea that there's an emergency on the climate is, is we've now proven it's not a, f- a frightening idea for the average punter you know, who signs petitions. OK, the next step um, was to try and establish um, the beginning of an emergency commitment. And Darabin City Council in Melbourne is the first council in Australia and, and hopefully the first of many, many, many... Um, hundreds that would adopt a climate emergency plan Um, but but that's that jumping straight into the emergency response is a really really challenging task because it requires a very big mindset shift Um, uh, so the purpose of this um, no more bad investment legislation is to begin the paradigm shift in the movements thinking from doing everything incrementally to beginning to campaign for packages of total solutions, so that you actually speed up the process of of getting to a you know an, emer- an effective emergency response. Um, so the idea is we've we've been looking around the country to see which areas are likely to move first. Now we already know if you look at what's happened in say the ACT with the, their energy policies, they they've been delivering the zero emissions electricity by 2020 goal that we've all been advocating for the last however long, they're delivering it. If you look at South Australia, they are you know, well on the way to, to, to that sort of transition in the energy sector. Um, Tasmania has, is, is already well on the way. I mean, they've been sort of in a... Because of the hydro, Well, like, yes, they the hydro. got a good leg up, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they're also having to f- close the gap so that they can go to 100%, and so that's a critical area. So there are certain states and territories where it will be easier... To get this moving, because the fossil fuel industry hasn't got its claws into people quite as quite as severely, other places will take you know will be a bit harder. So the idea is to just line them up like a set of bowling pins and and work through.
2: So wh- what's been the process of drafting this model act? Who, who's been engaged, yeah, and in what them? do you
0: mean by a model act when you
2: call it? <laughs> yes, okay. thank you.
3: Um, a model act is an act you have when the people drafting it are not the government <laughs> and, and, and not a political party that's actually in, in the parliament involved. Mm. So, in other words, it's just it's a demonstration act. It's just showing you what it could look like. Now, I, I was, um, as Michael said earlier, I, I was involved in drafting a real act that went through parliament, so I have some experience of doing that with the Flora and Fauna Guarantee Act. And so... Um, uh, a philanthropist um, uh, supported this project and um, we went to Environment Justice Australia and said, you know, would you be prepared to help with the project? So their um, uh, legal officer, Sarah Brugler, and I worked together over a period of about six months um, and we started from what's what in the trade is called drafting instructions, which is basically the design concept for the legislation and then we worked through and just put it together. like it's It's like building a
1: House. <laughs> it's a fairly big house, though. <laughs> um, when I think yeah, about it and I think of all the all the items that are included in the BZE reports, for instance, and and then on top of that, adding other issues, mm. how do you incorporate that in one act? It's easy. It's, it's, mm. I mean,
3: seriously, <laughs> it's actually really easy. Um,
1: I'm glad to hear that.
3: Well, just to take... Uh, well, to take a, an example, back in the late 70s, I was alive then. Back in the late 70s... the We never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, anyway, uh, there was a campaign to stop uh, nuclear power, nuclear, sorry, uranium mines. And in the middle of this campaign, we, um, some of us activists in Victoria discovered that um, <clears throat> that there was a plan it appeared that the government was planning to actually um, establish a nuclear reactor in Victoria or South Australia by 1992. And um, so to cut a long story short, um, we initiated a campaign which led to legislation which banned the whole nuclear fuel cycle in Victoria. And the the reason why I'm saying it's simple, in that case it was simple because there was no existing nuclear industry in Victoria, so politically it's, it's... kind of very easy for a government to kind of give a concession to uh, community activists when they don't actually have to change any real thing on the ground. They just they're stopping something that might come rather than something that's already there. Tackling the climate is is about five thousand times or, or a million times harder. But what I guess your original question, Kay, was around the, the actual job of drafting the thing. What you do is you just simply start by saying how big is the problem and then you say, okay, I will think about this legislative drafting process at the scale of the problem. So if it's the whole economy, then you just say, this will affect the whole economy. Like, literally, it's, it, it it just takes those words, and then you say, well, we know how to fix up certain sections of the economy, and we don't know how to fix some other parts. So that's kind of like a universal set. So you know, Two, two categories, bits we know what to do, bits we don't know what to do. So you create a process for the bits we do know what to do, which is you just put the bands in place and the Act says... Don't, don't do X, Y, Y Z. And then for the bits we don't know what to do, you have to create some agency that can actually do the work and the thinking. So you create a climate restructuring authority, and its job is then to deal with all the rest of the economy. Uh, and it's just literally universal okay. said It's just a bit of mathematics of, you know, A plus B equals the whole economy.
2: So you've sort of gone ahead in answering this question a bit already, <laughs> Philip, but what can you pull up a little bit and talk about what are the key elements of that proposed oh, okay okay of, yep, the, of yep. the model act that you've put together
3: well yeah as you say the basic concept is we want to transform the whole economy very fast so the bits that we know how to fix um we know we can do zero emissions energy we know we can have um zero emissions uh, motor vehicles uh we know we don't need gas in buildings okay. but
2: but this model act isn't actually talking about that yet is it yeah
3: this- yeah yeah Yep, part 3 it okay. <laughs> has got a whole series of prohibitions that says no more of this and this and this and this, yes. like very tangible things. Yes. You know, no more exploration for fossil fuel, uh, you know, coal, or oil, or gas, uh, no more production of fossil fuels f- and um, no more building of fossil fueled power stations. And so, so it goes. So it's done on a supply chain basis. So you, you identify what, what bits of the economy we know we can change. And then you just say, okay, the supply chain leading to to uh, like the old the old um, technologies we don't do anymore, so that supply chain's nipped off through a ban. And then, of course, it's up to the you know government and the community and the pr- and business to fill the gaps with all the alternative technologies. So- and then part four. So there's basically. Part three is prohibitions. Part four says, "Okay, what about the rest of the economy that's not covered by the immediate prohibitions? And then the restructuring authority just simply scans the whole economy, figures out what changes need to be made in each sector that's not currently transitioned, and then it it creates a plan for that. Uh, The government, um, because the restructuring authority is actually led by the... would be, if this was adopted, led by the Premier or the Chief Minister of each state, the power of this authority would be very strong. It would be roughly equivalent to the power of cabinet in a sense. Uh, and so or the Premier's department or whatever. And so it would it then looks across the whole of the rest of the economy and says, Okay, here's how we change it and then the government's required then to create legislation or regulations to to ban whatever the the follow on things are until you've completed the whole economy.
2: Okay, so it sort of stages it in terms of initially saying, okay, no more new investments in these fossil fuel areas that we know are definitely not good for our climate Um, and the formation of this Climate Restructuring Authority to oversee that and then to look beyond those initial quick wins of obvious things to what else do we need to stop new creation of and then beyond that to look at transitioning further to... Yeah, that's a beautiful summary. That's
3: exactly that's exactly what it is. is. You've
2: just
1: joined us. We're talking to Philip Sutton about a draft act called "No More Bad Investments" to start the drive to implement a zero carbon economy. So, you've called it "No More Bad Investments," and you know we've just discussed that it's much broader than that. And then you talk about introducing the Climate Restructuring Authority, and that. Um, has a number of independent people on board as well as some government ministers. Mm. And they're the ones that actually drive um, further um, work to zero carbon. The problem I have is it doesn't get to draw down, does it? it, it no,
3: no. There's a whole lot of incredibly important things that are not covered by this Act. Um, we, we've proposed it as as the first step on the way to a complete program to restore a safe climate. And um, it doesn't deal with drawdown at all. it doesn't deal with closing down things that are currently causing emissions it, it's stopping new ones but not not the existing sources so there's there's enormous incredibly important work that needs to be done beyond what this this act proposes. so say, so, okay well why, why bother having this act like this And the reason is because we have to draw a line in the sand and stop going in the wrong direction and then we then we once we know Confucius
0: they've to get out a whole first stop digging. It's, that, that's another beautiful summary as well.
3: That's exactly it. It's the don't keep digging um, you know. act. Maybe we should change the name. Yes. <laughs> um,
2: so are, are there precedents for this, Philip, either in, in Australia term, or elsewhere in the in world? In terms
3: of the comprehensiveness, no. But you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, in terms of individual propositions, yes, there are. The Nuclear Prohibitions Act 1983 in Victoria um, is, is an exact exemplar for a sort of a, a, a limited sector, if you like. The anti-fracking legislation that Victoria passed just this year, I think it was, or maybe it was just earlier last year. Last year. Uh, late yeah. last year. That's another one. Then, in various other countries, like the, the you know climate progressive countries around the world, Europe and what have you, um, they they've they've identified the fact that they want to you know stop the use of petrol driven cars, etc. In France and uh, Britain, and Norway, I think it was um, Germany, but, uh, yeah, India, yeah, so um, China. So what this is really doing is picking up all those impulses and just putting it into one one program. So. The bit that's unique is the whole package. The concepts are not unique at all.
0: What will you do with the draft, Phil? How, how, you, how what are you hoping to achieve with the draft you've produced?
3: Okay, what we have to do, obviously, is—I mean, you don't get—you don't get things enacted if there's no movement backing them. Yeah. So, so are um, the members
0: of parliament prepared to propose it?
3: Well, there's no point in going to members of parliament until you've actually got some people in the community who are demanding it. Mm -hmm. So our very first job is to actually get out in amongst the the community, you know, amongst the climate activists, and say, do you actually want to draw a line in the sand? Do you you want to stop digging the holes? And do you want to do it systematically instead of having a a thousand piecemeal campaigns for the next 200 years? And what's happening is that um, small... Um, climate gra- grassroots climate groups around the country are beginning to take this on. And the, the earliest and, and strongest efforts in this area are happening in South Australia. And uh, we've had interest from the Northern Territory and Tasmania and ACT and Victoria and so on. So we expect this thing basically to grow in the movement. We have to grow the movement in the movement and mm-hmm. then we can start to start talking to politicians. What we're finding is that the... Because this thing is so systematically committed to a climate outcome, uh, at the moment it's the Greens um, party politicians um, who are showing the the greatest interest. But that also points to the fact that we've got a lot of work to do to get support in the Labor constituencies and the Liberal and National Party constituencies and all the various crossbench kind of constituencies. So we've got a huge job ahead of us, but it's just the usual thing of campaigning. You, You build a constituency, you you know, you build a political movement and, and you work across the political boundaries. And because it is, affects so much, I don't think we can achieve this if we just try to get one party to, to, to force it through. It's going to have to be multi-party, I think.
1: So when you were the architect for the Victoria Flora and Fauna Guarantee, how long did that take to get up?
3: Dreamed up the idea in about 1980 and that got passed in 1988.
1: Oh, well, that's a Fair amount of time, yeah. But
3: I mean, I, I was—I mean, li- literally, I just—I just dreamed. I was at home one day and thought, "What could I do in my life that was useful?" If I did one thing, what could I do? And I thought, "I'll—I'll oh, I'll do a floor and fauna guarantee act." So that's one person just deciding to do it. So it took mm. me personally. Well, that's eight, right.
1: In the scheme of things, it's not very long, is it?
3: Yeah, but it took me one eight years to get it through to actually being enacted. Yeah. But if you've got a movement, yeah, you should so be able the, to do it faster.
0: It, it occurs to me that um, the Stop Adani campaign is actually. Um, uniting a lot of those disparate movements you talk about, when we win that one, that's this is where you, where yeah, you yeah. think we should turn our focus. So. Well,
3: exactly. I think I think that people are very focused on Adani for very good reasons at the moment. And so what we're doing is we're building up this No More Bad Investments Act thing sort of in a sense behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But what we what I personally would really love to have happen is for the next big thing after Adani to be this act.
1: Mm.
2: Mm. So one of the items that's mentioned in the draft, Philip, is extensive public consultation provisions being yep. included. Yep. Now, how do, you, how do you realistically balance that with quick action?
3: It's, it's a funny thing. If you are trying to make really big change and really, in, if you like, uh, intrusive change, in other words, it's affecting very, a great deal of the sectors of the economy, then you can't just slip it through because all you'll do is you'll just, you'll just make people angry. So it, it actually is part of getting things done fast is to be in, engaging with the community in a very effective way. So it's actually part of the way to make it fast is to consult well, but not not to have it... I mean, clearly, you're right. It can't be drawn out forever. The government's got to be committed and want to really move forward with this, but it also needs to make sure it, it does it and is... I mean, you learn a lot from public consultation, quite frankly. I mean, I, when I was doing Flora and Fauna Guarantee Act, I'd been a, a climate, sorry, I'd been a, a nature conservation activist and I'd come in from the, you know, as an activist from the, into the government process. And all of a sudden somebody said, oh, maybe we should have a consultation process. I, I must admit, I have to confess, I had a, a, an, a, an instant where I thought, no, 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 I know what we should do and we should just do what I think. But we actually we created a model act. We went out and consulted widely across the whole of Victoria. And we made, I think, something like 500 amendments that I felt that we really needed to make based on the public consultation. So it's it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and look, this is such a, a big issue and big changes required. The more brains that we have on the yeah, on exactly. the case, the that's better. Right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Mm. You, you have a term in there that's safe climate economy. <clears throat> um, why that term rather than climate... Um, safe climate or reduction of greenhouse gases, etc.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, you, you could the we could have tried to use the terminology that you've talked about, but the reason for talking about the safe climate economy was to get people really focused. This act is really an economic transition act, like that's its purpose. It, some some other authority should uh, should be looking at exactly what the uh, emissions draw uh, reduction. F- timing should be what exactly how much drawdown do we need to do etc etc but this this the purpose of this act is to transform the economy and so the idea was to just keep the focus on that i mean clearly obviously driven by climate but but it's um so we, so we don't lose track of what the purpose of the act was
1: okay yeah in the past you're recommended strategy with climate emergency declaration was at the local level, Mm. but now this Act, you're targeting the state level. (laughs) Is there a reason for the difference?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely, there's there's quite a bit of um, strategic thinking behind it. Um, The the No More Bad Investment Act is a paradigm-shifting tool. So it's, it's a way of engaging the movement in thinking big around stuff that we feel familiar with. Like, we all know what we want to stop... Okay, let's let's now treat this as a holistic integrated package. So that's a new way of a new way of campaigning, a new way of operating. And so this is the beginning of, of that paradigm shift. To build the full scale total, you know, emergency response is, is so challenging that in fact it's still better to start local and we have, and Darabin City Council is leading the way on that. Um, and so we've actually got two two direction two two strategies that are complementary that are running simultaneously.
2: So, if people want to get in, get on board with any either of these strategies, yeah. um, what what's their go to place? for? Okay,
3: um, get your favourite um, search engine and put in the word Sedamia S E D A M I A and then you'll find it. And that's the organisation that's um, picking up the initial stages of the campaign. What does it stand for? Climate Emergency Declaration and Mobilisation in Action. Oh.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and chatting to us about this today and for all your work in that area, Phil. Thanks heaps. And good luck with it. It's (laughs) a great initiative.
1: We'll
3: we'll need it, but uh, I think we'll get there.
2: The Beyond Zero Show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions Think Tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. And if you want to listen again to this show to pick up on any of the details you missed or any of our other shows, you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and would like to donate, just go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we hope we'll catch you again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been
3: listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station
2: 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.